A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Consider your own calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Rather, God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something, so that no human being might boast before God. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, whoever boasts should boast in the Lord. The word of the Lord. Into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. You are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead and guide me. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, O faithful God. I will rejoice and be glad because of your mercy. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your kindness. Dominus Fabiscum. Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever, wishes, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is there for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, 
the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes in his glory, and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Verbum Domini. Today, we celebrate St. Agatha, a virgin, early church virgin and martyr. She lived in Sicily, and her, she was so well honored, respected by the early church, she was placed in the canon, Eucharistic prayer number one, she's listed there. She was born in 2030, and she decided to consecrate her life to Jesus by remaining a virgin, that God had inspired this and her to belong to him very concretely in this way. And during the persecution of Decius, the proconsul Quintianus, governor of Sicily, wanted to marry her, and she refused. And he had her taken from Palermo to Catania. There's a massive church today built in her honor. And she was placed in a brothel as punishment. She was subjected to taunts and insults, and then finally she was ordered to be tortured. Uh, she was lacerated, and St. Peter appeared to her and healed her. And then after the torturers saw this, the next day they resumed the tortures, and eventually uh, she gave up her life. And one year later, Mount Etna there, close to Catania, started erupting, and the people prayed to St. Agatha to be spared, and it was, it was a great miracle. The city was protected. And today she's considered the patroness of, of childbirth and diseases of the breast. Great saint, teenage girl, totally given over in faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. And as one commentator put it, said that she did not die as merely a conscientious objector, nor for the faith as a set of ideas and truths and propositions. They, these early women martyrs, died for a person, and because of the concrete reality of their relationship with that person, she dies for Jesus, whom she knows is her spouse. She is already married to him, and she will give herself to no other person. Now that there was, that really kind of captures the reality of what happened here. She's not like defending the faith, she's just betrothed to Jesus, inspired in her to give herself only to him. So we see this in other lives of the early women martyrs, that they had these suitors that wanted to marry her, she belongs solely to Christ. And we know in our faith, the imagery used in the Old Testament and the New, that God is the bridegroom, Israel, we Christians today are the bride, and we are to have, this love is to admit of no other lovers. You know, it's compared to idolatry, this total love we are to have for Christ. If we're distracted by the things of this world and give ourselves over to the things of this world and not to our Lord in the fullest of ways, it's considered adultery, idolatry, the images that are used. Simply put, I think it was von Balthasar that said that love 
is repaid by love alone. Love desires no other reward than love in return. What can you give in return? You can't give stuff. You can't give good works. You can only give love. That's what it's merits. That, that's the kind of response that it merits. And I think St. Paul is touching upon this in the first reading today uh, to the Corinthians. He says, consider your own calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many were powerful, not many of noble birth. Rather, God chose the foolish, God chose the weak, God chose the lowly, who count for nothing. And he goes on to say how it, to humble the world, but also I think it speaks to us that he's not demanding you know, great things in a worldly sense from us. He's not you know, demanding stuff, so to speak, or our talents and things. Yes, we give that to him, but there's something more precious that he wants from us, and that's our love. He wants that total response of love from us. These are words of love, you know, that God chooses us. He seeks us out, and he wants a total response from us. So that's what he says in the gospel. We must deny ourselves, take up our quit cross, be willing to lose our life, then we'll find it. You know, whoever's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of God will be ashamed when he comes in glory. I love that interior dimension, because we can get caught up in a spiritual rat race of just maybe even our own you know, spiritual perfection and human perfection, but it can lose sight of that God is the principal actor here, that it's grace that's operating in us, that he chooses us, he first loves us, he even gives us the grace to respond to him. And yet there is this language of decision throughout the scripture there, that we have to make a choice. You know, later in Luke's gospel, there's another similar comparison to this where Jesus, you know, he has, it, we're told he has many disciples but he turns and says basically the same thing. You know, you, you have to renounce all and come follow me. We're told there's many crowds, yet he's looking for these truer disciples that will renounce everything and follow him. Von Balthasar would comment in the history of Israel that Israel didn't have this great apostolic role that yes, there's prophecies about you know, these covenantal promises being open to all that through faith we can belong to Christ, but per se, he's not sent into the world you know, to spread the, the good news of God. First thing God wants is this faithfulness and love of his bride for himself. That's of the essence. We see that in Israel and the call of the prophets to Israel. And today, we see this continued in the life of contemplatives. They live in an enclosure, they die to the world, and they live a life of prayer and sacrifice, and God draws this mysterious fruitfulness out of their lives that we can't always see. We might hear stories of miracles and things, but it's largely hidden. The contemplatives today, the women 
cloistered religious, especially today, you know, image this bridal spousal union that we as believers are all called to have according to our vocation, state, and life. And from that union of love, there's a fruitfulness, there's a grace that's given, there's a flowering of the call of Christianity.